0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Jeff Williamson about shifts in the workforce and how human capital is utilized. Dr. Jeff Williamson, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I I love having these conversations and looking forward to talking with you more.
0: Yes, I am excited. We're going to have a really awesome, uh, fun conversation around the shifting nature of work and shifts in the workplace and how human capital is utilized, Uh, what we've seen in recent decades in terms of that shift and, and really what we've seen over the last 18 plus months in terms of this acceleration of the shifting nature of work during the COVID period. As we get started, I wanted to share Jeff's bio with everybody. Dr. Jeff Williamson is founder of CMG Group, an executive coaching and people development practice. Prior to launching CMG in 2017, he was a Dean, Executive Director, and Professor of Organizational Leadership, serving in higher education for over 30 years. He is the author of Power of 168, Shaping Moments, and regularly teaches and speaks on topics such as discovering your strengths, building a strengths-based organization, personal leadership, leadership paradigms, leading change, coaching, mentoring, and conflict resolution. He is a Gallup-certified strengths coach. Who holds a master's degree in speech communication and a doctor of education degree in leadership. He is certified in fundraising management by Indiana University, uh, Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and was a postdoctoral student at the Ohio State University Fisher College of Business. And you're a man after my own heart. Uh, I am also a professor of organizational leadership, and right. I, I'm still steeped mm-hmm. in the academic world and uh, it's a uh, big get-, place. get get to, uh, to, to do all of that. Um, but I, but I really, you know, I like doing research. I like teaching students. Uh, I like serving at the university, but I really get excited about the consulting work, the coaching work and conversations like these on my podcast to be able to Mm -hmm. talk in practical terms about, uh, how all of this is actually impacting real folks out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, higher ed is a great place to be. Uh, one of my top strengths is learner So, um, working in an environment like that for these many years, um, it uh, inspires me still. I still do teach uh, some, um, but it's just uh, it's not my primary focus anymore. But I I'm a teacher at heart, so I I can't get away from the classroom, whether it's on my screen or in in a
0: classroom. Sure, sure. Well, very good. Um, As we launch on in, I just want to see if there's anything else you wanted to share about yourself um, by way of your background before we really get into the conversation?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, first of all, I was listening and thinking, gosh, I need to shorten my bio. That's a lot. (laughs) But uh, in in all of those roles and all those different years of experience, the the thing that's central to me is it's really all about relationships. It's about helping people grow. And, you know, that's at the heart of human, human capital is the, the, the beautiful resources and gifts that people have and how we can work together and use those. So whatever my title has been, whatever my role has been, I'm a coach and a teacher and, and my heart is really about relationships.
0: Well said, and, and that's really Uh, where I try to see my focus anyways. I'm not sure I'm always Mm -hmm. uh, perfect at that, but it's certainly my intention uh, Mm -hmm. that, you know, treating people as people, as unique individual and, you know, genuine human beings with authentic experiences, you know, like Mm -hmm. really just seeing them as they are and helping them to Mm -hmm. recognize their potential and then reach to fulfill it. I think that's kind of the epitome of what leadership is all about and certainly what I try to do in my framing around leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe before we talk about the nature of work, the shifting workforce more generally, we can talk about higher ed specifically since you spent, you know, 30 years in higher ed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Tell us a little bit about some of the shifts that you saw within the higher ed space over several decades Uh, And then we can piggyback off of that to talk about uh, the broader workforce.
1: Yeah, well, naturally, I'm not going to surprise anyone to just think about how the the technological shift that we've seen in in education—you know, going back even just 15 years or um, so—the idea of a hybrid course was this newer thing where people would maybe be in a classroom a few Saturdays and then they do work between then online, and it was this new thing, and, and, you know, accrediting bodies were trying to figure it out, and how do we do this, and, and those kinds of things, so certainly the, the, the common thread of shifting in technology over those years has been different. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, teaching courses when that was the new thing, or writing curriculum differently because it was going to be delivered online, and so, you know, and when I look back, I think, what we called online courses back then was really um, <clears throat> a correspondence course where they could get their documents on their computer. And, and by what we can do now with, with video and audio and, and live chat and those kind of things, it's just come so far in how we deliver a, a education not just online but even the way we do in person education and and learning management systems you know and the platforms where all those things happen that's been a big one both in the classroom and then i think the years that i was a dean you know to introduce our my, my dear friends in financial aid many years ago to the idea of having online applications and doing things online when they had been so used to oh we have to have a copy of that on paper in their folder and it's like well no we don't really we need to have an image of that and so the technology has been a really big piece of some of those shifts i've seen over the last few decades
0: yeah and i haven't been in higher ed for as long as you I, i'm uh i i taught my first course as a grad student, um, back in 2005. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I go back a decade and a half, uh, mm-hmm. and then, uh, full, you know, full-time capacity for the past 12 years, um, still
1: significant.
0: <laughs> and even, even during that time, I've seen mm-hmm. just tremendous shifts in oh. the higher ed space. Right. And, and I often tell people I'll have students come to me all the time and they'll ask me about grad school. And they'll ask me about doing a doctorate and, you know, cause the professor life's a pretty awesome life. Um, I love being a professor. I love the autonomy, the flexibility. I love having a home base at my institution and then Mm -hmm. the flexibility and freedom to go off and do any really anything Mm -hmm. else I want. Um, it's, it's awesome, but it's, you know, the gauntlet of going through the doctoral program isn't for everybody. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's getting harder and harder to find those coveted tenure track positions Mm-hmm. And and the kind of the role and the nature of what I do as a professor has shifted, even mm-hmm. in the you know, 12, 13 years that I've been a full-time professor. Uh, and so when I'm talking to students about that, I just want them to be aware, like kind of this old-fashioned notion of like what a professor is, um, you know, that's often portrayed in mm-hmm. me in uh TV shows or movies, yeah, that's becoming less and less common. That does still yeah. exist in certain institutions, yeah. but that's less mm-hmm. and less common. And mm-hmm. I, I spend way more time directly interacting with students as a mentor and a coach Mm -hmm. and working on projects and and involving Mm -hmm. students in research and those sorts of things um, than I even did, you know, a decade or a little over Mm -hmm. a decade ago. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is the things you just described, those are some of the
1: greatest sources of joy for me. Mentoring, coaching, uh, impacting, influencing, leading, helping them clarify their own thoughts. I mean, a lot of times when I talk to people, whether I'm coaching them on a formal agreement or I'm just simply a friend they trust and they bounce ideas off of me, it's like they kind of work their way back to what they know to be the truth for them. And they, it, it. I just kind of get to to be a good listener and to ask some questions that help to draw them Out a little bit, but I think most of the time—not always, but most of the time—people are like they kind of have somewhere deep in them what they really want to do with all their heart, or what they feel this drawing or even a calling to. So a lot of times, my job is to say, "Could you tell me why that? You you seem really excited talking about that. Can you tell me more about why that excites you? Or wow, you're really passionate about that. Where did that come from? When did that start? You see those, and you do that all the time. But those are the kind of questions that help people say, you know, when I was ten years old, I had this experience, that it really impressed me, or it really motivated me. And I've always had my focus on that ever since. And I'm like, man, embrace that. Figure out what to do with that. And uh, that's such a such a, a high calling to get to be that person in, in a student's life.
0: Yeah, and so I, I've really enjoyed that myself. And mm-hmm. like you said, the technological advances. I think Mm -hmm. of learning management systems from when I was a student uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s as an -hmm. undergrad, uh, Mm -hmm. how far they've come when I was a student to when mm-hmm. I was first, a, you know, first a professor, first teaching courses to now. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's night and day. It's so, it just is. so much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, thankfully yeah. for students and the student experience mm-hmm. and for student success. So all of that's wonderful. Now, of yeah. course, all of that, this is just a microcosm of like the bigger picture of everything is. that's shifting in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And I would say with all the shifts in higher ed, there's been even more rapid shifts uh, mm-hmm. across industries as a whole. So let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that mm-hmm. now.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, it's no secret to anyone that the last couple of years have been unsettling, have been challenging, have been difficult in many, many ways. But having said that, I also feel like not just in higher ed, but in business and maybe even in just in our lives, the the pressures and the quarantines of the pandemic and the time shift that has happened for most of us is that It's kind of like it broke some things that need to be broken. And then it's given us a great opportunity to say, hmm, should we, should we, could we, do I want to do life differently now that we've experienced the last 18 months? Could we, should we, do I want to do teaching and education differently or business? And so we see those kinds of things that it's kind of like, I think, uh, you know, inertia sometimes can set in. And we just think, well, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll get to it. Well, we just kind of got punched in the nose a couple of years ago with the pandemic. And we had to do some things that we maybe been dragging our feet. And so as painful and devastating as that has been in some sectors of our world, there are pieces of that where I've looked at it and I'm thought, I'm not going back. I, you know, I learned some lessons about me or I learned some lessons about teaching or people in general. And it's never all bad. My dad, when he was still around, he used to say, no matter how bad things are, there's always something to be grateful for, something to be thankful for. And I've, I've found that to be true, even in these weird, challenging, painful times we, we've been living now a year and a half.
0: and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah. And so, so what are some of those specific things you've seen? You, you highlighted a few of the Mm -hmm. um, kind of the accelerated shifts that COVID Mm -hmm. has caused as we've come into this pandemic moment. Um, But we have seen major disruption Mm -hmm. just in the way human Mm -hmm. capital is utilized right now. Some of that is just simply remote work, uh, utilizing Mm -hmm. technology to enhance remote work, hybrid Mm -hmm. work. Uh, But Mm -hmm. what are, what are some of those things that you've seen? Uh, in the last decade, leading into the mm-hmm. pandemic, and then the last eighteen yeah. months.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it, the the last couple of years has really shined a light on the mental health uh, of our of our nation and our world. Um, there's been a better focus on those types of things. I also see that you know companies are realizing um, the opportunities they have globally. Where maybe ten years ago we kind of had a little bit more of a provincial mindset that it's like, well, you know, I'm near Chicago and and that's going to have to be my main base of operations and. And and now here I am chatting with you in, in Utah, and um, you know so businesses are learning to run differently. I remember working with a company that was a uh, tech engineering firm maybe six years ago, seven years ago, and they were already doing international remote teams long before it was a thing, long before uh, we realized that we could run companies from different continents. And I remember as I worked with them, I'm like I was so fascinated. I'm like, tell me about this. And I'm like, well, we have a team in Poland, and we have a team in England, and we have a team here in Chicago. And even though I, you know, I think that was so cool, I was just like, I was blown away. Even just six, seven years ago, that they were being so successful. And like a lot of companies, they later just let their lease run out and moved completely to remote. And this is at least five years ago. And then to you know, fast forward to today and we have to
0: do that and just to add to that so you know having teams in remote teams or even Mm -hmm. teams in physical locations scattered around Mm -hmm. the globe you know Mm -hmm. for really large multinational firms that's Mm -hmm. been a thing for a while and coordinating that can be difficult but you know organizations have done that but what you started to see even a decade Mm -hmm. ago um six seven years ago is Mm -hmm. is more of these kind of smaller firms starting to do that where you just had small little hubs and now now what you see is it's gone even beyond that so now i can have a team of say five people or ten people Mm and we're literally there's no two of us in the same country like we're scattered all over the world and so really because of the technologies um it's totally possible the only real constraint is time zones and just trying to make sure that you're balancing how you're dealing with people's uh Mm -hmm. their time Um, but Mm -hmm. otherwise uh it's 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 completely possible so distributed workforce virtual Mm -hmm. workforce all Mm -hmm. of this is just really sped up where the trajectory Mm -hmm. was already moving that direction but it's just sped Mm -hmm. up dramatically over the last 18 months so that's a huge shift in how human capital has been utilized and it's opened up a a global labor market Mm -hmm. right so now that like you said you're in chicago traditionally Mm -hmm. the thinking was i need either i need to hire people from right here around chicago or within right. commuting distance, or mm-hmm. I need to hire someone who I can transplant here, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and they can move across country and they can land in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, people are questioning that. They're like, well, why? Mm-hmm. That's, that's hugely disruptive and yeah. expensive. And yeah. it cuts out of your potential labor pool, Mm -hmm. like the vast majority of all the qualified people that are out there. So there's, you know, the more we think about it, the more we're like, of course, that doesn't really even Mm -hmm. make sense. Like, why don't Mm -hmm. we just allow for, um, Mm -hmm. you know, leveraging all of the, the, -hmm. uh, the skills, the capabilities of people all over the world, regardless of where they are, if they have the skills, you know, Mm -hmm. we can use them in our organization. I think that's a tremendous shift that's happened just in the last couple of years. It is and and it does open up such a
1: talent opportunity uh, and and where we find our human capital and how we work because you know you you, you think of a, a place like Chicago, which is a great city. But there are people who live in other places who would never move to this region. They're like, I don't have a winter coat. I don't want a winter coat, you know? Well, now you can go, great, stay in Utah, great, stay in Florida or, or Texas or wherever you might live. Uh, you're our top candidate and we want we want you to work for us. And we happen to be based in Chicago or Milwaukee or wherever. And so, yeah, the, the pool of talent uh, and the acceleration, I think, of the talent wars ha- has come with that, uh, where I, we can go wherever we need to, to to find the right person or the team of people for this role. It's really been huge uh, just to watch that out of the last five, 10 years.
0: Yeah, and and there's definitely been some organizations that have resisted this shift. And it's mm-hmm. to their detriment, um, you know, because mm-hmm. now they're they're just going to be losing the battle of talent and mm-hmm. trying yeah. to get in, you know, uh, attract mm-hmm. and retain really great people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think even even those who are dragging their feet, they're going to have to get there and they're going to have to get there yeah. quick or they're going to just be out of the game altogether.
1: Agreed. I mean, you think about the companies, uh, all of the many, many of the, I mean, probably most of us higher ed or elsewhere we you know we worked on our i worked on my patio two two springs ago and and uh my kitchen table and here here in in my home office and and now you know there's this mix of course you know some companies have said well that was temporary and we needed to do that so everybody could be safe but now things are somewhat better and we're going to bring all our people back and they go whoops just kidding you know we have a spike in the delta variant They're like whoa we're not going to do that now you know, and then others are just like, we're going 100% remote. We're selling our property. We're we're not going to have you know super expensive land and facilities and infrastructure all over the place. We're gonna we're gonna ship a laptop and a modem to all of our employees and just say, hey, here you go. You know, you're on from this time to that time. Be you know, and and we're working that way now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so maybe one more thing I wanted to explore with you a little bit before we uh, close out our time today. Uh, what, what have you learned over these past 18 plus months in mm-hmm. terms of time management, mm-hmm. your core values, principles, and and the mm-hmm. guiding priorities for how you're yeah. going about your work and how you're working with your team? Uh, Mm -hmm. I know for myself that the pandemic has caused me to self-reflect and really challenge a lot of, you know, kind of what I was used to Mm that, like you said, the inertia and the status quo of like my work life, that Mm -hmm. most of that's been challenged. And I've definitely come to some new realizations. So what have been some of those realizations for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, besides just the fact that I can work from anywhere that I have Wi-Fi Is that, um, you know, those core values that you mentioned are, you know, what, what things give me the greatest joy, what things are the most fulfilling ways that I can serve other people. And so You know, a a part of this uh, 18 month window has been some of that that you mentioned. It's been time for reflection to say, hey, I'm working differently right now. Do I want to continue this or do I want to go back to eight to five? I'm on campus in my office and I have to be available and I have to have hours and have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. And there's a lot of joy for my work in higher ed. So I don't want to misdirect anybody on that, but working differently and integrating those things like, you know, uh, getting up and taking a 15-20 minute walk over the lunch hour. Yes, I could have done that on campus, but it's different to, to, to do that these days. So I think, you know, a, a, a better integration of health and activity levels and all those kinds of things have, have improved during this time, because I think we had to be more intentional in a lot of things. And then, because we kind of had forced separation at times from people we loved in other places that know they can't fly and know they can't come visit right now or I'm in quarantine and those kind of things. Um, I think it really helped to refocus those central relationships that mean the most to me uh, and uh, and just the power of those connections and not wanting those to drift away because I'm so busy and have my head on my computer or have my head in in the clouds you know trying to do some work or or being super busy so in some ways I mentioned earlier in the call I think some things that needed broken were broken uh, over the last several months and and some of those I've said you know We'll wish it farewell and, and give them a nice farewell, but that's not coming back, you know, for me personally. And so, um, you know, I think it really it, it narrowed my focus to those things that matter most to me. Um, and that includes work. It's not just like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to work anymore because I, I want to have more joy in my life. I find great joy in my work because it's about people and relationships and helping them to grow and get better. Um, You know, that's, that's the strengths coach in me. Um, You know, learner and strategic is like, I want to help people figure out their, their journey and have the greatest joy and fulfillment and then service to other people. That's a big one for me too.
0: Yeah, awesome. Uh, Well, Jeff, it has just been a real pleasure. This time has flown by. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I really appreciate all of your insights and all the wisdom that you have shared with me and my listeners. Before we wrap up today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your current uh, coaching and consulting work, Mm -hmm. and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for
0: having me. I can't believe the time is gone
1: already. But uh, if folks would like to learn more about my work, they can go to my website, which is www.coachmentorguide.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Dr. Jeff Williamson. I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, If they want to email me, uh, they can find that uh, on the website. Send me a note and I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to conversations and contact down the road. Um, when we think about a final word, you know, human capital, uh, it, it, what we do is, is with, is always with other people, right? it's, we do things for other people, but we, do, we can't do them without people. And so this topic of human capital and how we can learn and innovate and do these things differently, that's some of the joy is finding new ways to be more effective and to serve people even better as we go along.
0: Well, I love that. Thank you so much, Jeff. It has just been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Jeff and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.